everybody. What's going on? It's fucking Tuesday, it's I think. It's fucking Tuesday. It's fucking Tuesday. <laughs> I wish we had a day called fucking Tuesday. <laughs> Today we always get together and start fucking. <laughs> on Tuesday. Well, I mean. Cameras everywhere. <laughs> People calling in. They're fucking. <laughs> Pop up on a show. Fucking. YouTube. YouTube's lame as it is. They'd fucking ban our asses quick. No, you cannot have fucking Tuesday. <laughs> We're going to have to shut this shit down. Well, we have a yeah. haunting Mondays, yeah, and then yeah. we'll have fucking Tuesdays. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just using, I'm not using it in the literal sense. I'm using it in the kind of like, I'm just like, I just, I slept really crappily last night, so I'm like really, really, I'm really, really tired. Uh, but yeah, so finally, finally, after you guys bugged me and bugged me, I mean, one person in particular, I think it was Danny Rowling, like one person in particular, but... It was more than one person that had been bugging us to do United the Comet. So we finally fucking did it. We yeah. finally did it. And I could, I'm could. i sorry we didn't do it before Christmas. It's it, Technically, it's kind of considered like a Christmas movie, even though it's not really... I mean, it takes place around Christmas time. but so it's, it's like Die Hard. Yeah, it's not like a huge part of the plot, though. And yeah. to me, I mean, I kind of feel like even though, according to the Wikipedia page, it says that it was technically supposed to be taking place a few days before Christmas... The way that they have, like, you know, the comet coming and everybody going out to see it and stuff like that remind me more of New Year's. So I was like, well, so it's kind of like a New Year's movie, too. Yeah. So so we're kind of, like, in the same ballpark. You know what I mean. We got away with it. <laughs> hey, Dave, what's up? He says, hello, fuck Tuesday, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, Tuesday is just... It's a day without character. It's such a day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tom Sykes says the cover says Night of the Living Dead meets Valley Girl. Um, this no. actually watching this again made yeah. me want to rewatch Valley because I fucking love Valley Girl yeah. and I don't I don't think you've ever seen it with like very very young Nicolas Cage. If y'all haven't seen this, I it's the same production company though yeah. as Valley Girl. This is yeah. If y'all haven't seen this, I recommend a movie. I, I I saw bits of it when it came out, but I I don't remember anything else. I just remember a few minutes. I, I, I probably didn't probably wouldn't have liked it in the day that it came out. I, probably, I wouldn't have appreciated it the same way. It's a good movie. It's um, a post-apocalyptic action-adventure chick flick. Basically. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of Cherry 2000 and A Boy and His Dog. All right, it's another good movie. Which is interesting because yeah. we watched it on Tubi and the next movie that came on after it, because you know yeah. how they have the... I was was, saying, was yeah. Cherry 2000. Yeah, and I was saying, this reminds me of Cherry 2000. And all those movies kind of almost could be kind of like in the Fallout, the Fallout video game universe almost. But this would be like right at the right at the beginning. And it's just two sisters who are super super eighties, and but they're kind of like ideal nineteen eighties, which I'll get it. We get it in a second. And they're fucking in all these cool 80s environments in a fucking post-apocalyptic setting and there's kind of like humans that turn in most humans just died some of them kind of turned into, into zombies you had a government agency that kind of survived it there were the medical dudes that survived it in a in an underground bunker it wasn't really a bunker it was a fucking cave they were living in a cave that had been converted into like a shelter it didn't have a roof on it on anything but it was inside didn't need it. it was inside a cave and uh, they were going out trying to find a cure for this shit that had happened. It came from. It had something to do with this comet that went by and it disintegrated everybody and poisoned a bunch of rest of them. So they're fighting kind of like 
they fight zombies and half zombies. They're not really zombies. They're they're mutants. Kind of like something out of Omega Man. Yeah, because they still and yeah, a lot of people like yeah. even when this came out back in 1984, yeah. like a lot of the um, critics like said, yeah, it does have kind of the same vibe as like Omega Man or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Where it's like it's Man. it's more comedic, yeah. right? I guess, but it has like a similar kind of like vibe to yeah. it. Yeah, and like um, the girls uh, kind of fall in fall in with this dude who's kind of like the the leading man, kind of hunk. You know, he's the dude that played Chicote, Commander Chicote, uh, uh What was his name? Uh, Commander uh, Chicote from fucking Star Trek. Voyager, Voyager, which is, I yeah. like Voyager with Captain Janeway and shit. That was, that was a good series. And he's in it, and he's young. He was a handsome dude, man. It, it, Robert you know. Beltran. Uh, yeah. Beltran? Beltran, yeah. I think. He's a it. truck driver. He's kind of like Hispanic guy who could dress up as a cowboy. and You know, he's just kind of an everyman in a certain way. Kind of a working man type. But, uh, of course, he falls in with some hotties, and they fight over him. And <clears throat> then there's some zombies that... Can't, just a bunch of shit happens in him. It's it's a good flick, and it's got a great aesthetic. Okay, the 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 score and the soundtrack are '80s as fuck, but they're like a good '80s. This is I, one of the '80sest '80s movies that I, has ever. As been I told made. Jenny, I said I don't think I forgot to. What did I say? You, uh, I said. I said. What What are you talking about specifically? Said you said a lot of things. I said some shit that was like that. I said. I, said, I forgot. I forgot that the 80s was this 80s. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think it's what I said. And I forgot that. She, she started laughing. This is well, yeah. how the 80s was this 80s. It, um, the thing is, though, is that we started laughing. This is the way we wished the 80s always looked. Because in the actual 80s, most of that shit, your mom bought that shit and it was 70s as fuck. Yeah, it was like we still had like shag carpet. Yeah, in there. there was a lot of fucking tacky shit that your grandma had. <laughs> just there was, most of the world was like, like that. Fake wood paneling. Yeah, our house looked more like the house that uh, Winona Ryder's character had in Stranger Things. Yeah. you know what I mean. It kind of looked more like that. Right. <laughs> That's what our house looked like. It wasn't like cool with like neon and like yeah. Patrick Nagel prints on the walls yeah, yeah. and glass spent, everything and they, all that. They spent a lot of the movie uh, at the damn radio station that they they commandeer the radio station and it's fucking 80s as fuck. It's like... I love that shit. Yeah, it's black with fucking neon, colored neon accents. It's all over and fucking geometrical fucking furniture and red accents. And it would have some Nagel shit on the wall and fucking... Even the bathroom was amazing. Yeah, ma- yeah like it had like, like it had like a pink or a purple sink and like the sink. checkerboard... Yeah, uh, like a black and gray yeah. checkerboard floor, and I was like, "Oh my yeah. god, I want that bathroom right that now." That shit was '80s <laughs> as fuck, but you have to understand that was idealized '80s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, the only dudes that had a pad like that would be like fucking '80s yuppies working for some baking firm, and he's like fucking thirty, and his fucking pad looks like that, and it's filled with fucking coke whores in their twenties. That that is only a real Pretty cool much, motherfucker yeah. or a rock. Or, like, fucking Rick James would have a fucking apartment like that. That's who would have an apartment like that, you know. Although, I think later on he was broke dick as fuck. But, you know, when Rick, when Rick James had money, that's the kind of pad he'd try to live in. And uh, you didn't see that when you were actually in the 80s. You just saw that shit on TV, you know. But if you're a regular person, you really didn't see that that much. And uh, a lot of the 
places of business were fucking 10 years out of date when you went in there. So it's just kind of funny. It looks like if you go on a YouTube channel called New Retro Wave, every one of their videos looks and sounds like this movie. Well, this is what they're trying this to replicate. This is what they're talking about. But this yeah. is, you know, this movie is like the real thing because this yeah. came out in 1984. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this yeah. is what, this is the look and the sound that they're trying to so it's a approximate. Mon- it's a monument to the 80s fucking style. The, we, the story's good. Yeah, story's this good. is actually one of the better like post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. films for this because it's like a different. I like that there's zombies in it, but it's not like zombie focused. No, it's like they're just kind of like yeah, there's a zombie every now and then. It's like a threat, but most of the people are dead. Yeah, so they're not zombies. They can talk. Yeah, they're, they're not. Mutant. Yeah, they're more like mutants then. They're like you said, like crazy and shit. Right, and they're now. I think yeah. like the one, the one zombie guy at the beginning. Yeah. Like, didn't he eat the other guy from the from yeah. Larry from the? Yeah, he ate the motorcycle guy mo- from the movie theater. Yeah. So they are like flesh eating. Yeah. So there's that, but yeah, they're not like shambling like Walking Dead kind of zombies and stuff like that. But but like I said, I like it because you know there's threats from the zombies, mm-hmm. but I kind of feel like. I like that they kind of kept that to a minimum and like some of the threat ends up being like the scientists who are trying to round up the remaining survivors of which there are not that many apparently um, to kind of like make a serum out of their blood. You know what I mean? So it's almost like that's more the bad guys than the zombies are. The zombies are just kind of like every now and then you come across one and they've like, you got to fucking kick its ass or whatever. The two main characters are two young sisters that are supposed to be high school students. Aren't they high school students? Yeah. Or they, yeah, getting ready to graduate, I think. Yeah, so they're supposed to be like 17 or 18. 17 or 18. And uh, they're just 80s as fuck, man. Fucking 80s hair, 80s fucking schoolgirl dresses or cheerleader outfits and shit. It's just, and their dad was special forces, so they ended up having Mac 10s and they shoot up yeah so they know how to like shoot guns and like survive and kick people's butts and stuff like that yeah I mean they're they're practical like they're practicing and shit shooting (laughs) Mac 10s (laughs) and uh fucking you know they complain that their dad should have got us Uzis that kind of stuff I like how chill they are about this. Yeah. So the thing about it is that the guy that wrote and directed this, whose name is Tom Eberhardt, and I thought that name sounded familiar. The reason why that name sounds familiar is because remember that movie that we reviewed not too long ago that a lot of people haven't seen called Soul Survivor about that woman that survived the plane crash and then all kind of weird shit happened? Yeah. He's the same guy that directed that. Okay. He also directed Captain Ron with Kurt Russell. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kurt Russell was in Captain Ron, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Uh, so that's the same guy that did that. And he said, like, what he wanted with this particular movie, he really, really liked post-apocalyptic stories. And he really, really liked the the idea of, like, two very, very strong, like, female characters, um, you know, being in this post-apocalyptic situation. What's up, Pokey? She's like, put yeah. me down, damn it. Oh, she looked and she looked and you could see her little face for a minute. Okay. She's a, what's up, little Madge? She's, she's just putting up. She's making a little mad. She's like, I want to jump like, down. I want to jump down. You she's like, jump yeah. down already? Yeah, she's like, yes, I would like to jump yeah. down, please. Yeah. She heard should. that She heard that phone buzzing. She's wondering what that was. It's okay. Down. It's, it's, <laughs> she's like, I got shit to do. Yeah. Um, she won't leave. She'll just circle around me. Yeah, she just circled She was around. circling around me. <laughs> like a little shark. Yeah. <laughs> a little gray fuzzy shark. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so he wanted to do that. 
And he, I guess, had been directing, like, uh, you know, teenager, like, specials about teenagers and stuff, like, for PBS. And so he decided that he was going to ask, like, all these teenage girls that he had been, like, filming for these, for this documentary, like, what would you do if, you know, the world ended? He didn't say he was working on a movie about it. He was just curious to see what their input was. And he said the thing that inspired him to write this movie was that most of the girls were like, that would be pretty awesome. Like, um... They, they just didn't really see it as a bad thing. They just kind of saw it, like, as a big adventure. They're like, yeah, it would kind of suck that there was no boys. But, like, other than that, it would be pretty rad. You could just, like, run around and do whatever you wanted and, like, no. And, and see, that's kind of what I was thinking. Because in, like, um, an apocalypse like the one that's posited in this movie. Yeah, there's zombies every now and then. But most of the people are dead, like, because most of the people that went out to look at the comet got turned into red dust, right? So there's no, um, you know, provided that you could defend yourself against, like, the, the random zombie or whatever, who actually, they, they say that, those, that they're not going to live long, right? Because they got some kind of disease. Yeah. So they're eventually going to die. It probably, probably won't take that long. So if you're immune, then you got the whole fucking world to yourself, man. Yeah. And you don't have to like worry about defending yourself against zombies or so so it's not like the walking dead where there's just like hordes of flesh eating ghouls like trying to come after you. What's unique about the movie is that it's a post apocalyptic action movie. It, it, it I enjoyed it. Um it, it's very like guys would really like this movie, but it's a chick flick. Yeah. It's a, it's still a chick flick. But in a weird way it's a, it's an action adventure chick flick. Yeah. Uh, which there are very few of those. Yeah, There's I think very, very that's what makes this movie so original. I think that's why yeah. it became kind of like a cult classic was because, you know, there's been lots of post-apocalyptic movies, but it re- it did something a little bit different with it. Yeah. And, you know, like the character of Sam, who's the cheerleader girl, mm-hmm. uh, she was the direct inspiration for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. And the... Unless you were a guy growing up in the 80s, Jenny probably didn't pick up on a lot of the shit that they were doing with her and fucking just her outfits and fucking her character and the little poses and shit she's doing during the certain parts. They're homaging 80s porn. I mean, she's she's basically fucking Ginger Lynn is what they're talking about. Same hair, same kind of outfits and shit. But she's a Ginger, ginger Lynn knockoff. Which I guess there was a lot of girls like that, but yeah, there were. And that actress Kelly that Kelly Maroney, uh, yeah. Maroney, she was actually in a fuck ton of like classic eighties movies. Yeah. She was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah. She was in Chopping Mall. Yeah, which we I don't think we've reviewed Chopping Mall, have we? Uh, so I, yeah, I don't think we have. And Catherine Mary Stewart, who plays Reggie, like the dark haired girl, um, she was in because I recognized her too. She was in The Last Starfighter. That's where mm-hmm. I recognized her from. She was in Weekend at Bernie's too. Which, uh, yeah. which you know, so yeah, we already you could, you could see you could see um, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer in that character though. Just yeah, the, well, that's where Joss yeah, Whedon got the idea because definitely. he just liked he liked the yeah. idea of like this kind of very feminine yeah. cheerleader type girl, but that was a badass, right? You know what I mean? Well, that's kind of why I get to the Ginger Lynn thing. Yeah, Fucking, uh, she had she did scenes like that, had that. That was she was fucking big in the eighties. She was like the top porn star. Fucking high school dudes I grew up knew who that was. You know, fucking and uh, some of the stuff that they had her doing on the couch and fucking dancing around and shit. And like, yeah, okay, they're homage and Ginger Lynn there. 
those directors know who that was. She was the top fucking porn chick from that era. So they took Ginger Lynn and I think probably made her and then this and that and it evolved into fucking Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Ginger Lynn was a badass. I mean, she fucking, yeah, she was a porn star. You know what's She'd interesting? She'd do anything, you know, fucking, especially in those days. You know what's interesting is yeah. that the uh, the role of Sam uh, yeah. that Kelly Maroney ended up playing, uh, that was originally going to go to Nancy Langenkamp, mm. who ended up being in Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm. Actually, the same year. I think she was, at, I don't know what happened there, but she did audition for that role and she was kind of like at the top of the list, but then Kelly Maroney ended up getting it instead. And so Heather Langenkamp was like, I guess this is the consolation prize. Oh, I guess I'll go be in Nightmare on Elm Street. And now she's like a massive fucking star because of that movie. But I don't know. It would have been weird with Heather. Like, I can't imagine Nightmare on Elm Street, like the first one without Heather Langenkamp in it. Heather Langenkamp in it. I said Nancy. That's her character's name. Tom, Tom's asking me if I had a Mac-10. Yeah, I had a Mac-10. A real Mac-10. Ingram Mac-10. The only thing that was weird about it was like one of the rarer ones from its time. It was an Ingram Mac-10, but it was in 9mm. A lot of the Ingram versions of the Mac were 45, but it was it was in it was in 9, this one. It was fun, fun shit, fun gun, not, not really practical. MP5 yeah. fucking beat the snot out of it. So would, so would an Uzi. An Uzi easier to shoot. I was going to say, too, that uh, Mary Waranov is also in this movie, and she's in tons and tons of shit. She's actually, um, she started out, like, collaborating with Andy Warhol. She was in a bunch of shit with him, because she's a, uh, I believe she's a painter as well. Uh, but she was in Death Race 2000. She was in Eating Raul, which also had Robert Beltran from this uh, movie in it. She was in Terror Vision. She was also in Shopping Mall. She was in Warlock, Devil's Rejects. Uh, you know, there's all that kind of stuff. House of the Devil, I think she was in. And somebody mentioned it, I think Tom Sykes mentioned it earlier, but Jeffrey Lewis, who has kind of like a smallish role in this as one of the scientists, was the guy from that turned into the vampire from uh, Salem's Lot. Okay. That Tom's guy. asking me if it, if it jammed like it did in this movie. And the answer is no. Max didn't jam. If you did get something like a jam, that'd be a magazine problem. You know, if you might have bent feed lips or something. And Mac didn't make the, those magazines. They were based on other fucking, uh, was based on other weapons. That I, I think the 9mm the might have been based on a fucking, I think that mag might have been based on an Uzi mag. Or a, what was it? a Might have been a Sten gun mag. I got to go back and fucking look. But no, they didn't jam. Guys, they're still using that. There's upgrade kits for that now. You can turn a Mac 10 into a fucking beast now. They're a lot better than they used to be. They just use the fucking lower receiver. It's got the serial numbers, the trigger parts. They're putting different uppers on them now. And fucking different bolts to slow down the firing rate. They perfected that over the time. But back in these days, it was just a crude sub American-made small submachine gun. It didn't do well in service, though. It didn't have a very good buttstock on it. It was just a wire buttstock. And you, did, you wanted something that was more solid. Victor says, whoa, 13 o'clock on a Tuesday? We always, we always live stream on Tuesdays. Yeah. Almost always. Like, we always do uh, a movie review on Tuesdays. Richard Brown said his daughter is Juliette Lewis. Holy shit, I forgot about that. Oh, Juliette Lewis, man. Is, yeah. yeah, that's, you know, the guy that was yeah. in Salem's Lot that was yeah. in this? That's her dad. I didn't realize that guy. Okay. Yeah, Jeffrey okay. Lewis, his name is. Okay. See, I didn't realize that I either. I don't, think, I, I don't think that dad. I ever realized that. Yeah. That guy was in a lot of stuff. He was in High Plains Drifter, actually, yeah. now that I'm thinking about it. And he was also in The Devil's Rejects, yeah. like Mary Warnoff was yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. 
So, yeah, this is kind of like a who's who of, like, 80s character actors and, like, yeah. people that were in, like, other really iconic 80s movies. It's a great 80s movie. Uh, I didn't... It, it wasn't great in the time that it came out. It, it had kind of stiff competition, and we didn't see it for what it was. We didn't see it for the, for the kind of time capsule it was. But it's aged very well. Matter of fact, it's... And it, it, the, the, the gestalt of this movie has fucking actually come back around in style. This could fucking, you know, Gen Z would love this movie. Gen Z would love Yeah, this. I mean, this has a massive cult following. And yeah. it, so, well, I'm going to say that when it came out, um, it actually, like, kicked ass, but, um, and got, like, really good reviews, and it made oh, a lot of money and stuff like that. And I think that that's even more admirable because it came out pretty much the same time, like, maybe within a week as... Nightmare on Elm Street, okay. which was like a massive like cultural hit, you know what I mean? So the fact that this came out... Now, I will say that the reason that it made a lot of money, too, one of the reasons, was that it only cost $700,000 to make. I remember it coming out, and... And I saw parts of it, and we thought it was okay. I think I don't. I didn't remember the rest of the movie. Um, I remember parts of it when we were watching it last night, but but there, most of it I didn't remember. So I don't know if I saw the whole thing. I don't think I would have liked it in the time that it came out. I was young and post-apocalyptic. I would have probably I would have liked anything Mad Max a lot better. and I was big into the action and the horror movies, so we were probably already watching Reanimator and all that. I would have thought that this was kind of like, kind of like light entertainment, and that it was fucking wishy washy, you know, like oh that's a chick movie. But when you get older, you know what I mean, you start appreciating things a lot more, you know. Fucking teenage boys fucking have a very narrow fucking field of interest, you know. So yeah, if there's no titties, get the fuck out. There was in this movie, I think, wasn't there? Well, there wasn't. There wasn't bare titties. There was a there was a bra shot. Yeah, but I don't think you got to see any. No, we would have liked it probably you know, yeah. for that aspect. You know what I mean? Uh, but well, because I said like the I one point where where Kelly Maroney like goes to the bathroom and takes her shirt off. Yeah, and like you just see her bra. I don't think you see her naked boobies. I don't remember mm. seeing any boobies. But um, yeah, when you see her bra, it's just kind of like, oh, there you go, teenage boys. Right. <laughs> As a teenage boy, I guarantee you we liked those girls. I don't remember anything about it, but we would have liked it. That was right up our alley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I like the thing that I like the best about this. Like, just the characters are just so likable. Yeah. And I just really like, I like how they don't make a big, huge deal. Like, obviously, they're just like, oh, shit, you know, like, everybody's dead. But they kind of like... I don't know if I'd say that they are kind of like optimistic about it, but they're just kind of like, oh, well, shit happens. You know yeah. what I mean? And they just kind of like, let's go to the mall and have a good time. And, you know, they don't seem overtly upset about it, which yeah. I thought was kind of, you know, no one's freaking out or I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one thing that I liked about it. Nowadays, if you have a, a, a like a chick flick, there are guys in it, but most of the guys are kind of clownish. This one, as soon as that fucking truck driver showed up and he was in the darkness, he yelled out. I recognized that voice immediately. I was like, man, that's Chakotay from fucking <laughs> Star, Star, Star Trek, Trek Voyager. Voyager yeah. And he shows up, and he, he's a G in it. You know what I mean? He's brave. He does a bunch of shit. He fucking saves uh, saves the girls a couple times, fucking rescues rescues them. But um, he's not a jerk about it. No, like exactly. every, cool. Everybody's just kind of on equal footing, which yeah, yeah. I really, really liked. Yeah, but well, I liked the fact that they didn't they didn't turn him into... He wasn't clownish. He wasn't a clown. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was he was a, a viable hero. But so were the girls. 
Yeah, that's know? what I mean. Everyone was yeah, on yeah. equal footing. Like, yeah. nobody was they like, had different, oh. They had different skill sets. Right. But, like, the oh. girls weren't necessarily, like, damsels in distress no. or anything like that. Like, they could take care of themselves, yeah. but... Kind of. You know, kind of, but, you it, know. It, it, it's just like anything else. No no man is an island in a situation like that. Exactly. Everybody got to stick together. Right. But, yeah, and I think yeah. that they did a good job of, like, putting that across. And it, and he was a very likable character, too, like, when he showed yeah. up. You see, if, it, if they... It would not have made sense... And they would have tried to do this in a in a movie that they made today. It wouldn't have made sense if dude was a clown, okay, and didn't have any fucking physical physicality or physical strength or any skills to back up his shit. It wouldn't have made sense that they were fighting over him. You know what I mean? Because right. they were fighting over him because he was a good dude. So that makes a lot more sense, you know. Like 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 Jen said, they were all members of a team. It's not like they were. De- not like they were totally dependent on them, but they were dependent on a group synergy to get through all this shit. And uh, he was a good-looking guy, and the fucking he was—they thought he was the last man on earth, so they're kind of fighting over. Him. Yeah. The only other guys they ran into were like basically rapist, rapist zombies, and they're not really and zombies. Like no, a mutant. No one likes they're that. They're fucking nuts. Like they're in this. There's the one scene where they go to the shopping mall and they got all this free shit, and somebody's watching them on the cameras. And it's a group of like six dudes, all armed and shit, and they're fucking attacking the girls and fucking you know shooting at them. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck are they doing? This is the end of the world. They're shooting at the last of the cute girls. They're, yeah. well, they're then it turns out, well, what? They're not normal, you know. And it made more sense after that. I was like, who wrote this shit? Um, but then the dude took his glasses off, and they, they weren't human. Yeah, they, they they had started to mutate. Yeah, they were mutating. Because so that, what like, they're, oh, okay. I mean, the premise of the movie is that if you weren't killed by, if you weren't, like, made into dust by the comet, like, from the outset, which most people were, like, if you were, for example, like, in some place where you only got partially exposed, then you would kind of, like, start to zombie out and eventually yeah. you would die. Like, it, well, it didn't seem to take that long, actually. Yeah. You see, in a pandemic situation where fucking 90-something percent of all the damn... It wouldn't even take that much. Even if only 60% of the people died off, there'd be chaos for a while. But there'd be a plenty of free shit sitting around. All right. The thing is, is that there'd be more shit than there are people. So the stuff wouldn't be that valuable. Yeah, that's Houses what we were be, saying. They yeah. wouldn't be fighting over anything. What would be valuable is people of breeding age. That That's... Young, pretty women that could have children and young, virile men would be the most valuable thing, okay? Uh, because they'd be the next generation. And they'd be much, they'd be worth a lot more than even food. Because canned food survives indefinitely. And once the population's gone, there's going to be a lot of canned food around. Yeah, there's no need to fight over you, it. You it's just everywhere. Yeah, and you, <laughs> the survivors would probably be able to just eat, can't, live off of, can't, especially if it's 90% mortality. There'd be enough stored food that the, the survivors would probably never have to fucking plant anything in their in their life. They'd be dead by the time they ran out of damn cans. Now you'd have to plan for the future and restart. Yeah, you know they would they would plant anyway. And they'd I mean, start, I probably would anyway, just yeah. so you wouldn't have to eat canned food all the time. Yeah, and you have to pass the knowledge off to future generations because they won't be able to survive on canned food. It'll it'll run out. Yeah, generations. And you, there'll be animal husbandry, you know, where they're fucking raising cattle again and fucking sheep. Meat is actually easier than vegetables because it's not seasonal and it feeds itself and then you just eat them. 
you know, so you have sheeps and chickens everywhere, you know, let them eat what grows naturally, and then you eat them. It's a lot easier lifestyle than planting, but planting can support large populations, but you got to have a lot of planting, and you better fucking keep an eye on that damn calendar, and you're going to need fertilizers, you know, so, but, so that's what I was getting at. In a fucking true apocalypse, what would matter the most is people, because you're going to be bored. You know, and you're gonna, yeah. There's not going to be any fucking TV and shit. Just the shit DVD. You're going to have that. Hey, I can read. I'm I'm good with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got. There'd tons be of... more books than you could read. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'd never It'd run all out. Just be... Right. Aren't I always complaining? It's like yeah. shit. I haven't even put up a book review this week because I haven't even read yeah. the one that I was supposed to read. Yeah. Which I feel bad about. Like so, there's millions of books. I would never get bored. There's like so much. If stuff. it went back to that though, you'd probably have a lot of stuff that you'd have to be doing every day. That your daily chores would be off the fucking charts. Yeah, that's a true. lot of it. Be collecting eggs, fucking putting animals out. Just like you seen me do it when I was fucking running the farm. You got to fucking. Well, that. yeah, it is a lot of work. Right, and then if you're fucking growing on top of that, then that there, then there's a bunch of shit you got to do. I think for a while I would just chill and eat canned food. Yeah. <laughs> Try to hire other people to grow stuff. Right. <laughs> I can handle and handling animals is far simpler. I, I'm good at that. I don't like fucking planting. We're doing some out back here. It's it's tough. It's harder. It is. It's like some of the stuff grows really easy, but like some of like like I said, we got eggplants out yeah. the ass. Like we just yeah. can't even eat all the eggplants. I lost a lot of crops on that last on that freeze a couple of fucking days back. Yeah, it, it happens in tomatoes. Florida. It happens in Florida too. Here went the tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it'll happened. Come. I got I got everything it takes to. It'll bring back anyway. It was at the end of the season. We're gonna reset it. You know. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. When I should have brought all that shit in. Instead yeah. of having fixed stuff, it's better to have everything in bags, and you can just bring the bags And then in. you just bring the bags inside. Yeah, and they, there was enough room in this house, I could have brought the entire little crop in uh, for a couple of days. Yeah, just left it warm. Just in left it down in a warm, and then taken it right back out, and it would have continued. Yeah, that's the I mean, normally in Florida, yeah. you don't usually have to worry about it, because it yeah. usually only freezes, like, maybe one or two nights a year. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? But we had a bad one, like, right around Christmas. If y'all are learning to grow, use grow bags. That big around, a lot cheap. Just leave them sitting outside. On a, and you, you can arrange them and make a little pretty display. You know, fucking lay down that black tarp so grass doesn't grow in between them all. And put bricks around them. And if you have to bring them in, you can bring them in. Just put it, I got a little cart you can put it on. I brought some of them in, but I couldn't bring them all in. Because I, I was, when we moved here, we hired somebody to make me a planning planner that's not the way to go wasted money on that should have just been for nothing but bags bags in a pretty setting yeah the bags can be moved yeah easier they're more mobile yeah yeah tom sykes says wouldn't the nuclear power plants go haywire without humans running yeah and end up like chernobyl yeah. i said that yeah victor said life after people which is that's a great show by the way uh shows what would happen to nuclear plants they would melt down without human intervention yeah yeah we were wondering about because like um on the day after it happens when Reggie goes back to the house to see if Sam is okay, um, the power's still on. And when they're at the mall, like, the power's still on and stuff. And we're wondering, like, how long would the power stay? Like, hypothetically in 1984, how long would the power stay on without anybody around to I was thinking, maintain? I was thinking that a coal plant would probably run a couple days. Yeah. I was thinking that a nuclear plant, because you're going to have to keep putting coal in it. 
Right. So I would think a coal plant would probably only a couple of days. And I was thinking a nuclear plant a few weeks before something would have something would have to change a button or, or something would need a human decision in a, every couple of weeks probably. And if that decision isn't made, it probably shuts itself down. A modern plant probably would yeah. be some kind of an emergency default system, and it'd probably fucking down pull the control rod, pull the fuel rods out. There's going to be some something in there. I don't think a nuclear power plant could just run unsupervised for very long. Yeah, probably not. So yeah. that's that's kind of what we were thinking about. I'm like, yeah, we're probably thinking too much about this movie. But, I mean, that's why people like post-apocalyptic movies, because yeah. you can kind of, like, put yourself in that scenario and say, like, ooh, what would happen? Because people are fascinated by that kind of stuff. Because I was, like, watching that kind of shit, too, and I was just kind of like, like you were saying, because there were so few people left around that, you know, and then there was, like, the odd zombie every now and then, which was, you know, kind of a pain, but nothing you couldn't deal with. It, like I said, it wasn't like Walking Dead where you had fucking hordes of the shit that just, like, overwhelmed you. So it would really be easy to deal with, like, especially if we're in the middle of a big city and there was just, like, you know, canned food everywhere and there was just shit everywhere. You could just go and take yeah. whatever you wanted. In, a, in an apocalyptic situation, it might be a good idea to have a damn Geiger counter. And you'd also want to know your local infrastructure, whether or not your local power plant is nuclear or coal. You want to know a bunch of stuff. Is that shit up upwind from you, or is it yeah. downwind from you? That kind of stuff. That way, if a power plant was going bad, you'd you'd want a Geiger counter to know whether or not you're being irradiated. That way, if you're fucking, if it's clicking off some rads that are too high, you might want to move. You're gonna to want to move. Yeah. You want to get the fuck out of there. Um, although, you know, there's no telling me it could be that that shit might be in the atmosphere and other ones far away is hitting you. You want to know how much rads you can take over... Yeah, you it know, would probably be good you. to uh, invest in that. I mean, like yeah. I said, you could just go steal one from a store. No one's going to stop you. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they have stores have Geiger counters. Well, no, I'm just about. saying, you just, like, go fucking get it from somewhere, right. I'm sure. I'm sure you can get one somewhere. But, um, what... I was going to say, what was I going to say? Um, oh, we were wondering about, because I was like, that looks like they really did shoot it in L.A. Uh, they did. They did, okay. And like I said, it only cost $700,000 to make. I'm assuming that they shot it, like, Sunday mornings, like, early, with nobody, because, man, there is nobody. There's no cars. There's no nothing. I think every now and then, I didn't notice this, but when I was watching, like, some other reviews of it, like, I think Minty comedic arts did one and he kind of like showed they're like oh in a couple shots you can see like a random person like over on the sidewalk or like a window washer like up on one of the uh one of the buildings or something like that but i didn't really notice that while i was watching it because i'm sitting there going how the fuck did they do this like because i'm like i'm sure this was a low budget movie and i said it looks like la but i was like could they really have shot it in downtown la with like nobody around they did yeah and that's, like, fucking crazy to me, because it looked like... Because you were thinking, maybe they shot it in Detroit. Yeah, I thought I saw the Ren Center. <laughs> no, it was L.A. Okay. Because I looked up on IMDb, and they showed, like, all the places where they shot it. Because I'm assuming if you only have $700,000 to make a movie, yeah. then you're going to have to just, like, film in locations. You don't really have a lot yeah. of money to, like, build your own sets or locations or nothing yeah. like that. All my Hispanic guys are in there talking about uh, Chicote from fucking Star Trek. From Star Trek Voyager, he was in there. And he, fucking, some guy says, I didn't know he was Ch- Chicano. Yeah, yeah, Chicote wasn't. Well, you know, 
on the on, on on Star Trek Voyager, he was playing a something from the Maquis, I think is what he was, and he had his own damn back background. He was kind of like a kind of like a uh, kind of like a Native American type from another planet, and there was some kind of civil war, or fucking secret police that he was well, in. Well, he wouldn't be a Native American if he was ago. from another planet. Yeah, well. <laughs> They, they ended don't, up just kind of having that kind of style. They don't you know have I mean? America on other planets. Not well that I know of. It was a civilization. That, well, you know what are talking about? You don't know Star Trek. <laughs> Kirk goes to I'm another planet I'm just fucking with. and knocks up a Native American girl. Remember? Yeah, I know. And they called him, what's his name? Kurok. Kirok, yeah. Kirok, yeah. It's kind of like Turok. The fucking... Turok was from another dimension and he's a, he's a Native American. We're talking, that's another video. We don't know what we're talking about. There's all Native right? Americans Native all Americans throughout the whole entire universe. Native Americans in other dimensions on other fucking planets. They're fucking everywhere, man. They got that good style, you know? But, uh, no, nah, he, he was Chicano. Yeah. That's fucking hilarious. And in this one, he he, he, uh, he does a special operation where he dresses up as a cowboy. Puts and plays some like just really tragic, horrible like country music on the yeah, fucking radio. Yeah, and he's fucking and he goes he goes straight redneck with him. But a lot of people don't understand that fucking Mexicans are rednecks. They got the cowboy boots and the fucking hats and shit. You know what I mean? They got cowboy culture too. Man, vaqueros. You know, same thing. I thought that he did that like to disarm the the guard because it's yeah. like nobody would be threatened by somebody like that. They would just think that he was just like some hayseed or whatever. Look, man. Here in they the United States, they didn't explain States, it, but I thought that's what they were going for. Here in the for. United States, a fucking cowboy is going to wear them cowboy boots, right? And he's the size of his dicks be measured by how much that fucking belt hangs down on the side, right? <laughs> in Mexico, the size you, size of a cowboy's dick has to do with how 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 long the toes on his cowboy boots are. On. They sent me that from Mexico, all right? Fucking some of them cowboy boot toes are six feet long they come out and they fucking curl up remember when i showed you that yeah 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 showing off showing off the size of his phallus <laughs> size of his manhood judged by how fucking long the toes are the toes cowboy boot. yeah you just have him coming up at like they went over, up and over, over, over his head like he's walking and like, like it comes yeah. around like all yeah. like that yeah like a, hot, like, like a Hot Wheels racetrack, just like all the way around. Conor fucking sent me, <laughs> sent me that photograph to prove Mexican superiority. They're fucking, their rednecks beat our rednecks, man. Fucking bigger, I, fucking bigger, I, bigger I believe boots. it. Yeah, hell yeah. Sorry, I was laughing at because Victor said I knew Chicotay was Latino because in one episode of Voyager he has all his pots and pans in the oven. <laughs> yeah, they put it in the oven. I do that too, though. I don't. I put and my you're cat, white as fuck. My cast iron stuff I put in the oven. Well, I mean, where else are you gonna put it? Well, you need it fast. That's, That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, a good yeah, place yeah. to put it. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember the shit's in there. Like, yeah. if you're gonna use it, right? But, you know what I mean? Because I think we've had a problem where. I think we've turned on the oven like to cook something and, and forgot and that something's yeah. in there, yeah. and we're like, "Oh shit, I forgot that was in there." Yeah, I don't, I don't know, how, I don't know how Mexicans and Chicanos are with cast iron, but fucking being from Mississippi, I'm, I grew up with cast iron culinary culture. If fucking there's cast iron shit at my dad's house, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna inherit that shit. They don't even make it anymore. Yeah, well, that shit lasts forever if you take care of it. He had a saucepan that's only four inches in diameter and flat, a little thing, like just a little bit made out of cast iron. I challenge you to find find something like that. I think they do make those little, make, they, little I think they make stuff, those little, little bitty ones, yeah. Little pots with lids, cast iron lids on them. And that shit's worth a mint nowadays. I don't even think they make much cast iron like they used to. That and I don't fucking know. copper. 
Well, I feel like copper pants. A lot of people, since they, since a lot of people have gone into like foodie culture and everything like that, I do think that people are way more into like cast iron pants. I bet you cast irons, and I bet you cast irons like hundreds of dollars just for a fucking. I don't know. I a couple years back, I bought you for Christmas or your birthday Mm -hmm. or something like that a cast iron griddle. Yeah, I got it. How much was that? And that was. $50? $50? That's it? Okay. I think right. it was only $50. It's got a flat side, and the other side is a corrugated side. Yeah. So you could have fucking sear lines or just flat, like, so you can do eggs It's nice. Pancakes. It's Lodge, I think. Yeah. Lodge is a good brand. They're not that, horribly expensive. It's about that big and about that tall. You can put it on an electric stove, range top, and have and it'll cover two burners, and you can get it hot on there. You can get it hot enough to cook on. It, it, it's nice. It's real nice. And yeah. you gotta cure it. You put fucking vegetable oil on it and bacon you in the make oven. Make pancakes like on that shit. You make yeah. all kind of shit on it. The original no, non-stick, man. Mm, the original non-stick. I haven't had pancakes in a long time. You want pancakes now? Huh? No, I'm just saying I haven't had those in a long time. All right. I was I was watching a video a couple days ago that like somebody was making some, and I was like, God damn, that sounds really good. Yeah. Um, Tom Sykes said, "I'm surprised Regina's character didn't realize that convertible driver was the DMK gamer tag." Yeah. yeah, it's like that. I had forgotten about that little because I've seen this movie before, yeah. but it had been like several years, and it's like that made me laugh out loud. Like when that guy at the end like drove away and it said DMK. Oh, and Garcia and El Padrino, and they're going, "Oh no, no, we got cast iron in the oven. Yeah, we got <laughs> we're all Mexican together, man." <laughs> well, like I said, it seems like the best That's place your, to put it's, it. It's the best place to put it, man. Because you use it all the yeah, time. I mean, is. we it's use a lot of so we make pizza and that shit. Yeah. Sometimes you can make a deep dish pizza in yeah. there. You yeah. can we made we've made quiche in there before. Mm-hmm. Yep. Chicken pie, cast iron chicken pan pizza. pie, yeah. Yep. Yeah, we made all kinds now, of Now now you're now you're fucking with me because you know that big cast iron griddle that you gave me? Uh-huh. I could put that I could put bread dough on there and make a big old long like a flatbread flatbed pizza on that yeah you could and put that in there yeah you could that'd probably be really good because I've been doing that in that little in that little electric oven with that non-stick metal. although that works good too that works too but what if I want something three times that size well then there you go there it is that's how you do there it is we're gonna try that we're gonna yep. try that okay. yeah try it out okay we're gonna use that Tom Sykes said is this film worth owning yes, yes. If you if yeah. you like eighties movies and yeah. you like post apocalyptic movies, this is one of the better Yeah, I'd because buy it. because it definitely has like a good angle to it. And I really, really like all the characters. I really yeah. just I like the just the angle that they approached it from, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not like your regular like I said, it's not like a Mad Max like action type of thing. Um you don't usually see a post apocalyptic movie with these type of characters. And I think it really works. You know yeah. what I mean? Because they don't like go overboard with it. It's not like zany or anything like that. But it's just like very matter of fact. And I think, and I that's what I really liked about it actually, yeah. was that it was just kind of like, you know, they they weren't like over the top Valley Girls, but they were kind of like that, I guess. They were kind of poking fun at at, 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 at the contemporary culture, the culture of yeah. the time. But they weren't making the girls out to be, you know clowns you know per se no, yeah i mean it, it they just, they were both like very intelligent like right. resourceful yeah characters trying to, trying to survive yeah and the guy characters were good yeah the guy characters were good they were believable and in the end you find out who the dude was who kept beating what's her name on tempest uh, he shows up. <laughs> he's a yuppie but he survived too i know and she's yeah. all and she goes out of the convertible she's like yeah. nice car he's like i got 23 of them you yeah, want to take yeah, a ride <laughs> 
Because like I said, nobody's nobody's using them, so mm-hmm. might as well. And then he drives away and it says DMK on that. Yeah. yeah, that was kind of one of the things because uh, Reggie's character, uh, she was like a big, uh, she obsessed with playing the video game Tempest at the movie theater where she worked. And she had all the high scores except for that one person that was like, I think if they were number six or something, they were DMK. She's like, who the fuck is this? It's like fucking up all my top ten. You know what I mean? Everybody's talking about who's got it on Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah, so people, so a lot of people own this film. Yeah, like I said, this is a big, um, you know, it did really well at the box office. Like I said, it only cost seven hundred thousand dollars to make, and it made fourteen and a half million back. So it was yeah. very good, and actually, it did so well that they were thinking about doing a sequel. Pretty much as soon as it came out, they're like they want to do a sequel. You know what I mean? But it just never happened because like yeah. the right they, you know, the rights of it like changed hands, and they weren't really sure who. I think that somebody like as of 2019, they were talking about remaking it, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I haven't heard anything about it like more recently than 2019. Okay, if you've seen this movie and you like it, there's two movies that you need to see if you haven't seen them. You want to see Cherry 2000, and you want to see Boy and His Dog. Boy and His Dog stars Don, Don Johnson. Johnson, young Don Johnson. Okay, uh, you can only get that movie uh, bootleg. They, I bought, I bought a Blu-ray, a fake Blu-ray copy on, um, on, um, uh, fucking eBay, and I have it. It's the be- It's pretty good quality copy. Uh, it's got a label and everything because uh, the movie's out of print. And it's because Don Johnson is in a post-apocalyptic world. He is a serial rapist. All right, he rapes girls and kills them. Pretty much, yeah. But he's the hero. All right, and he's got a damn it's dog. A controversial. He, yeah, he's got a dog <laughs> he can talk to. And the dog is like a cybernetic fucking dog. It's a weird, with it's human a weird movie. Yeah, and it's a leftover from before the world got destroyed. And the dog helps him track down girls. Yeah. All right, and. Um, he ends up getting chosen to be taken as breeding stock by a subterranean culture that's tried to try, it's basically trying to live the 1950s forever. And it turns out that it's like something out of Fallout. The problem is, is that fucking, they're going to kill him afterwards. He's got to get the fuck out of there. It's a, it's, it's a good fucking movie, all right? Would never fly today, okay? Um, the other one I recommend, Cherry 2000. It's about a dude in a post-apocalyptic, futuristic society. He's fucking sick of dating. He's like MGTOW, men going his own ways. So he buys a sex bot. Because certain parts of the country still have technology. But they don't make it anymore. And he's in love with this sex bot. And the sex bot breaks. And he has to go get a replacement part. But the replacement part is ended up in the apocalyptic zone. And he's got to hire somebody to go down there and get this part. So he hires Melanie Griffith. When she's young, she's fucking hot as shit in it. And she's this kind of like a post-apocalyptic kind of furiosa girl from Mad Max. And he hires her to go to the warehouse out in the fucking forbidden zone and get this damn chip that he needs to fix his fucking sex bot. And that's where the adventure begins. She's got a fucking souped-up fucking 68 Mustang and folding stock Mini 14 and red fucking hair and she's kind of like a wild west character a bunch of weird they run into all these weird tribal cults out in the desert and uh it's a good flick cherry 2000 so those two movies i'd say are kind of spiritual equivalents to this movie 
I will say I like Cherry 2000 a lot. Fun fact, my brother used to have a punk band named Cherry 2000 after that movie. I like Night of the Comet better than Cherry 2000, though. I like them both. I like them both, but I think if I had to pick, I think I like Night of the Comet better. Uh, Boy Boy and his dog is good, too, but... um, That yeah, that's a fucking weird one. El yeah, Padrino says, of, "Yeah, remember the movie Nightmares? Yeah. Oh yeah, with the video game segment with Emilio Estevez. Yeah, yeah, the Bishop of Battle. Honestly, I've been wanting to revisit that movie because I probably haven't seen that since the late 1980s, and it's an anthology. But for whatever reason, the Bishop of Battle segment is the only one I remember. Was it how was it three stories? I've, I want to say it was three stories. I don't remember. But that's the only one I remember. I don't remember anything about the other ones. But I'm sure that if I watched it again, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember this, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I kind of wanted – that's another anthology that I wanted to do, and I feel like not a lot of people talk about it. You know what I mean? Victor says, who needs a sex bot when you got a Pringle can and two sponges? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That's like, that's like ghetto flashlight. Yeah, that's ghetto flashlight. Get the real thing. You that's you, pretty you, you, awesome. Get the real thing. You won't regret it. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, wow, we're getting all TMI out of yeah. this fucking situation. Yeah. <laughs> Hugo said there's a movie. I don't I don't know what he's talking about, though. But, yeah, so this is if – you, if you like anything about 80s movies, if you like yeah. anything about post-apocalyptic movies, this is a really good one. Actually, as of – right now uh it's free to watch on tubi it's weird because it was on shutter i felt like shutter added it like before christmas like a week or two before christmas but then when i went back to look for it last night it was gone so i guess they only had the rights of it a little while but i'm pretty like it's pretty much free i mean you can buy you can uh watch it on tubi you can watch it on roku channel i think um, maybe Crackle. I'm not sure, but like some of the other like free uh, streaming services, you can watch it on there. But uh, you know, they're in there talking about the moral ambiguity of Boy and His Dog and uh, yeah. how good uh, that was. Not everybody liked Boy and His Dog. We were yeah, we reviewed that a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I think we reviewed Cherry 2000 also. Yeah, y'all want to see Cherry 2000 if you like this movie. That is also on Tubi. I, I like them all. And matter of fact, if you watch Night of the Comet, or at least uh, when we watched it, uh, Cherry yeah. 2000 comes up next like yeah. automatically. I wouldn't mind seeing that again. I don't own that movie. I need to own that movie. But I think the last time I checked, they wanted a lot for it. You know what I mean? I'm going to spend, spend 45 bucks for that. Well, movie. like I said, you can just watch it for free on the yeah. thing, and then you can decide if you I want. I like having hard copies, though. I know you do. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I do, too, but usually it has to be a movie I'm really, really into. You know what yeah. I mean? That I'm going to watch, like, over and over again. Like, I don't I don't have any, you know, compunctions at all about buying a really, really nice version of, like, The Shining, for example, because I never yeah. get tired of watching that fucking movie. Victor says he watched Boy and Dog because we reviewed it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we reviewed it a while back, I yeah. remember. That's, like, a really weird... Tom yeah. Sykes says, what's January's movie theme, winter-style horror films? We don't have a theme, really. It's just kind of like... What, I, what I'm what i doing is I started um, doing polls for what movie you guys want to watch us cover, like, on the live streams, like, on Sunday and Tuesday. And usually what I'll do is I'll just go through all of our streaming services because we have a bunch. We have, you know, Amazon Prime, we have Shutter, we have Hulu, um, you know, and then there's free ones like Tubi and all that kind of stuff. So I'll just go through there and, oh, and I have HBO Max also. And so you just go through there and I just pick five movies that I think that maybe you guys would like and that maybe Tom would like to watch. Like, I'll watch anything. I don't really care. But it's like, you know, Tom's kind of picky. 
<laughs> so we so we have to like so I have to like curate. It's like what what is Tom gonna watch without complaining too much? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like so so there. Uh, Victor says take shelters on Hulu. Great movie. We that was the one with um, Michael Shannon, right? Because we reviewed that. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was yeah we saw that. That was a good movie. Tom Sykes says the Boogans and the film Devil Times Five, aka People Toys, are great winter horror films. Free on YouTube. Um, yeah, a couple people have asked us about doing the Boogans. Maybe I should do that one of these days. Didn't they make a sequel to that? I kind of want Boogans too. <laughs> Electric Boogan Lou. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. All right, so uh, I guess we've been going almost an hour. So all know, right, we, sh- we should probably like, wrap it up. Yeah, I'm pretty hungry. Okay. All right, so uh, tomorrow is Wednesday, and that means it's our big main show. And it should be fun because we're doing, I'm calling it Paranormal Palooza. Okay. <laughs> we're talking about, in the in the poll, like everybody voted for doing the Smurl Haunting, which I think we kind of talked about a little bit on one of our shows about the Warrens because we did a couple shows about them. But I wanted to kind of do like uh, a revisit on that. And I was like, well, I don't know if that's long enough for a whole show. So we might also talk about the San Pedro haunting, you know, Jackie Hernandez, and also maybe the South Shields poltergeist. So yeah. we're going to get into, like, some haunting cases. So that should uh, so that should be fun, I feel like. It won't be as soul-crushing it's gonna be a good show. as some of Tomorrow our... Tomorrow's going to be a good show. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. We'll have some drinks, and we'll talk yeah. about ghosts. And... and I love paranormal and UFO shows. You guys know how I get. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm more into the true crime ones, even yeah. though they're depressing yeah they're depressing a lot of people like them but to me they're like depressing i'm like oh man oh you know what i mean fucking i, I like more like paranormal and ufo kind of shit you know? yeah <laughs> they're a little more they're more upbeat to me a little more mysterious it is yeah it is yeah. like a little bit more fun yeah. i will admit that i mean because the thing is well today i've been doing because for my crime immemorial channel i'm working on a big like long video about the highway of tears cases like yeah. this series which is almost like I'm not covering all of them, but, like, it's almost, like, 80 fucking murders, like, all in the same area. And, um, so, yeah. So, I've been writing about horrible murders all day long today. Garcia says he's off tomorrow, so he's not set his alarm. That's right. Y'all need to be here on time. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Get your drinks ready. (laughs) We're going to entertain Get the cocktails prepared. We're We're going to talk about some fucking ghosts. Yeah, we're going to talk about ghosts tomorrow. El Padrino says, Jenny, one last question. Which one of your books on true crime do you recommend to start with first? Um, well, Faceless Villain is a trilogy, and they're <laughs> chronological. So if you start with the first one, The Faceless Villain, that covers unsolved murders. Not every unsolved murder, obviously, but, like, kind of big ones. Unsolved murders from 1900 to 1959. And then there's a volume two that's, like, 1960 to 1979. And then there's a volume three, which is 1980 to 1999 or 2000 or something. So, yeah. So Reviews I, have been good. So I suggest, yeah. like, starting with the first yeah. one. But, you know, they're all good. Yeah, they're all good. And you don't necessarily have to read them in chronological order. It's just that they're in chronological order. Like, all the murders are in chronological order. I also like Unseen Hand. Yeah. The, 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 if you're into paranormal If you're into shit. paranormal stuff, Unseen Hand. It's all about... Uh, poltergeist cases that she dug up that go way back alright and um, parapsychologist Steve Mara that we've worked with before says it's he thinks that's the, the most complete collection of uh, poltergeist cases that he's ever seen well it's I mean I tried book. to yeah it's a big book to put all of them that I could find in there that, that I mean had enough details that were worth writing about yeah. you know what I mean yeah because I didn't want there's just some thing. It's like, oh, some somebody threw a teacup. It's or, like an encyclopedia of them. 
Damn yeah. near like an, an encyclopedia. Yeah. Victor says, I have Unseen Hand on Audible. So oh, yeah. he has the one that I read. Yeah. yeah. You That's enjoyed it? I hope so. I guess you probably enjoyed it. <laughs> All right. All right. So we are going to wrap it up. So hopefully you guys can drop by tomorrow and see us. We're going to talk about some ghost poltergeist shows and stuff like that. So thanks, everybody, for dropping by listening to us talk about Night of the Comet. And we'll see you guys again tomorrow. Bye. He said he enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome.